Folks, financial experts thought we were in the clear. They were anticipating around six rate cuts by the Fed this year, and then the inflation data came out higher than expected again, just like we've been predicting. Friends, this isn't going away anytime soon. It can't. The U.S. is $34 plus trillion in the hole, and yet we keep printing money, which pushes the prices you pay every day even higher, whether it's at the grocery cart or at the gas store. So, You can either bury your head in the sand or you can do something about it. Diversify a portion of your savings into gold with Birch Gold Group. Gold is your hedge against inflation and Birch Gold makes it easy to own. They will help you convert an existing IRA or 401k into a tax-sheltered IRA in gold and you don't pay a penny out of pocket. All you got to do to get started, text Just News to 989898 and get your free info kit on gold. Then talk to a precious metal specialist on how to protect your savings from persistent inflation. The way to do it with gold. All you got to do to get started on that journey with my good friends who I trust more than anyone at Birch Gold Group, text Just News to 989898 right now. America and happy Wednesday. It is the day after the third Trump indictment, technically the fourth Trump indictment because there was a superseding indictment in Florida. The fallout is still coming in. You get a sense of some of the big news in this indictment. Mike Pence among the people to provide testimony to Special Prosecutor Jack Smith that contributed to the storyline that Smith tried to make. And we're going to dig into that a lot today. We've got a great guest because it's AMAC. Wednesday, one of my favorite times, the Association of Mature American Citizens sponsors this Wednesday podcast every week. We're so excited about that. We've got a great discussion with Bobby Charles, former superstar, congressional investigator, former assistant secretary of state, somebody who was the face of democracy and the Constitutional Republic to the world. He's got a lot to analyze on that. We also have got Jason Foster, the founder of the Empower Whistleblower site, which is representing those IRS and FBI whistleblowers that have made such important news days. So that's going to be our show. But I want to dig in more to the Trump indictment. And beyond those who turned against Trump and his behavior that day, Mike Pence, perhaps among them, more than just the six co-defendants. A lot of people say, who are the six co-defendants? Because they're not identified by name based on our reporting, based on the matching of circumstances to the indictment. I think it is safe to assume that the lawyers are Rudy Giuliani, John Eastman, for sure, former Justice Department official Jeffrey Clark. And Sidney Powell, that's a lawyer. Then there are two other players I think I'm less certain about, but they also were in that group of people that were trying to either get alternate electors seated or to get Congress to consider stopping or slowing down or delaying certification of the results. The primary claim in this indictment, and it's a big one, right, is that Jack Smith, the special prosecutor, the guy who was reversed 9-0 when he took on another executive, chief executive in America, the former governor of Virginia, Bob McDonald, and got reversed 9-0 for abusively trying to claim there was bribery when there wasn't, is that Jack Smith is sitting there saying, I know, I know what was in Donald Trump's mind. I can prove he knew he was lying, that this was a fraud from start to finish. And he'll throw out a lot of things like Mike Pence told him, I don't think there's any fraud. But that doesn't tell us what Donald Trump's state of mind was. And there is another big one in the indictment that I think has a significant boomerang potential for this prosecutor. And it makes us go back to December of 2020. That's when CISA, the Cybersecurity and Infrastructure Security Agency, Homeland Security Department Agency, you know that name from me for another reason. We did a lot of journalism a year ago that Congress has now confirmed that the Foundation for Freedom Online has confirmed that CISA was involved in a censorship machine, creating a censorship machine to suggest or pressure social media companies to take down posts, including those of Americans, solely because the government thought they were involved in trying to be disinformation. I think that's really what the, what it is. So that was, I remember that whole storyline that I told you, that's very important. But as you go back and you look back and you pull back from this, CISA made another famous thing. Chris Krebs was the guy, he later got fired by President Trump. But he told the world there were no hackings of election systems and there were no foreign influence operations that negatively affected 
the 2020 election. It was a big statement. He made it on 60 Minutes, among other places. But a year later, the Justice Department, the same Justice Department that currently employs Jack Smith, came out and said, oh, to the contrary, my dear. In the summer of 2020, the United States government detected a major foreign intrusion. Iranian hackers, likely working with the Iranian government, hacked into a state voter database, assumed the identities of many American voters, and ran a malign influence operation, i.e. a foreign effort to corrupt the election. Two people were indicted in November 2021, completely undercutting the claims of CISA. For some reason, Jack Smith ignores that and just says, well, because CISA said it, Trump knew it was wrong. But it turns out CISA was wrong, and Trump may have been right about at least one foreign intrusion and hack of computer systems. That's the sort of boomerang potential that I think Jack Smith has. But there's another story I have out today. It's getting a lot of attention. And it is some documents that were belatedly turned over to Jack Smith just a couple of weeks ago from Bernie Carrick, the former NYPD commissioner, the police commissioner of New York, famous for his heroics on 9-11. He was working as the chief investigator for Rudy Giuliani. Rudy Giuliani was the president's chief election challenge lawyer in the aftermath of the 2020 election. And he created a sprawling police department-like investigation, taking in leads, taking in affidavits, like you would if you were solving a crime. And they assembled scores, scores of allegations, including sworn affidavits of voters and election observers and others. So they had evidence and they were still building this evidence and they were compiling it into what looked like, you know, lead sheets that a police department would use to go out and check things. And these these lead sheets were still very active and incomplete, meaning they had then made determinations on dozens of these allegations when January 6th started rolling around. And what these documents, which I obtained myself, I got them, I went through them at Just the News, what I saw was a pretty extraordinary pivot. Late December, it began. By January 4th, it was accelerated. Bernie Carrick and his team, in consultation with Rudy Giuliani, assumingly the president would know this, had decided they didn't have enough time or resources to investigate or validate or disprove the allegations in this document. And so what they did was they came up with a strategy to go to Congress, to go to the state legislatures, to go to election regulators and ask them, hey, can you look at this? We'll see if we can buy you some time, maybe delay the election certification results to look at these issues. Now, that is a very important piece of evidence because it likely would have been brief to President Trump. And it's known as state of mind consciousness. It gives you a contemporaneous look at what did Team Trump believe on January 6th. And what these documents suggest is they believe there were dozens, dozens of election irregularities, some backed up by affidavits. By the way, affidavits often considered good evidence. Uh, You don't know if the affiant is telling the truth, but it's a good probable cause piece of evidence that they believe that these things still needed to be investigated. They were unresolved. Not that they were resolved and there was no election fraud and Donald Trump was pulling a con on the American people. This evidence is extremely, extremely important. Now, tonight, Bernie Carrick and his lawyer, Tim Parlatore, are going to come on the Just the News No Noise television show. I want you to go watch that. We're going to take that interview, put it on the podcast tomorrow so you can benefit from it. But we're going to ask him, what did you tell Donald Trump? What was in Donald Trump's mind on the morning of January 6th after you concocted this strategy to ask legislators, Congress, and others to go investigate this because you yet had not verified or or debunked the allegation. That's going to be a very important interview. Watch that 6 o'clock tonight on Real America's Voice, Channel 219 on Dish Network, Channel 240 on Pluto and on all the other streaming devices, Roku, Apple, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. You can also watch it on the Just the News website, which is always a great thing. All right, now let's think about that for a second. These are very important documents. We're going to ask later in the show our guests about this and why it can be important. Now, two other things I want to tell you. There is a secret battle going on where Hunter Biden's lawyers, beneath the plea deal that fell apart, are trying to silence the IRS whistleblowers to try to erase from the public information that Congress has already made public and take it out of the public. Our first guest, Jason Foster, head of the and founder of the Empower Oversight Whistleblower Center. He's going to explain why that's going on, and why that is such an extraordinary thing. And also, he's going to tell us about an effort they've created 
to raise money to support these whistleblowers, all the law enforcement whistleblowers, FBI, IRS, and any others that are there. There's a new fund out there that Jason Foster has created so people can donate if they want. We're going to check on that in a little bit. And I think that'll be a pretty important development in the course of this. So before we do that, there's one other headline I want to get to, and then I want to mention one of our great sponsors because it is AMAC Wednesday. So I want to remind you of the special opportunity we have with AMAC. So First off, as we go out, one other thing happened in the last 24 hours. Joe Biden's out there selling Bidenomics, right? My economic plan is working. Okay. Now, polling shows that maybe Americans don't agree with that, right? That's important. But in the absence of that polling, we take that away, away from a second. The Fitch rating system, the credit rating group Fitch, downgraded America's credit rating today. That is a legacy of the Biden presidency. Downgraded it, saying that the debt in America accrued, by the way, which has gone up by trillions in the last three years under Joe Biden, that it was at an alarming rate, more than 113% of GDP, of annual economic output, which is a warning sign. And they downgraded America. America doesn't have a good credit rating. If you were downgraded, what would you do? You'd be running to pay off your credit card bills, maybe get a debt consolidation loan, not the United States government. They're just spending another trillion and a half to two trillion dollars of debt again this year. Hmm. Well, we were just, just downgraded. And I think that's a big moment. And when you hear Joe Biden go around the country and say, Binomics, remember, Binomics is part of the contributing fact that got the United States government downgraded. Now, the other thing that Fitch raised among many ideas, oh, the January 6th riot also was a reason because it showed a lack of confidence in government. Okay, that was three years ago. The debt is accruing every second of every day, much more current and much more attributable to President Joe Biden. I think a lot of people found the, the January 6th reference a little unusual because it was three years ago or two and a half years ago. But all that said, that's a big moment in American history today. We'll be considering the consequences of that for some time to come. All right. Remember, it is AMAC Wednesday, Association for Mature American Citizens, one of the most influential voices in all of America. They give you an opportunity to be involved in civic good projects like election watching. They allow you to get enormous discounts. They're the AARP for conservatives. You get discounts on hotels and services and car rentals. I am a five-year member. I bought a five-year membership I'm in that age group. I'm in my 50s, so it's a good time to start getting involved with AMAC. You can even be younger and do it. But you get discounts that pay for the cost of the membership within a few short months, which is very, or even a few short days if you use it right. You also get this incredible political intelligence news, a monthly magazine, and you get a chance to join AMAC Action to do things like engage with state legislators, engage with Congress, and do civic things like be an election observer. If you want to join and join me, match my five-year membership because AMAC is supporting Just the News, John Solomon reports, the Just the News, No Noise television show. Go to amac.us slash just news. Go to amac, A-M-A-C dot U-S slash just news, and you'll get an extraordinary discount on a one, three, or five-year membership. I challenge you, match my five-year. It is the price of a meal on the town. That's it. You can get five years of value, five years of political intelligence, five years of news, five years of magazines, five years of money-saving discounts, and you're going to join a group of millions, over two-plus million Americans that share your value, share your passion for saving your country and improving your country. And all you got to do to get started on that is go to amac.us slash justnews. Now, if you do that, today you're going to hear from Bobby Charles, a national spokesman, former congressional investigator, former Assistant Secretary of State, you're going to realize just how good a people AMAC is assembling on its team. Bobby Charles, one of the best, one of the smartest, one of the brightest, one of the most impactful members of government over the last 30, 40 years. What a great guy. And he's going to come up in the second block. So amac.us slash justice. Go do it today, folks. Tell AMAC you love them for supporting us and loving us. All right, we're going to take that quick commercial break. Jason Foster up first, a new wrinkle in the IRS whistleblower Hunter Biden case right after these messages. Hey folks, it's John Solomon here. Today, I want to shine a light on AMAC, an organization who's dedicated to America's seniors, but is vital for conservatives of all ages. AMAC stands out by not only advocating for senior issues, but also by pushing for conservative values that affect us all. By joining, you're not just supporting our senior citizens, you're part of a movement defending the freedoms that made this country great 
and to ensure that we secure our nation's future. Plus, membership brings you exclusive benefits like discounts on travel, dining, and entertainment, and of course, special insurance rates, one of the things I like. Regardless of your age, if you're driven to preserve freedom, AMAC welcomes you. This is about uniting youthful vigor with the wisdom of experience and our quest to keep this country great. Sign up now for amac.us slash justnews. And for a limited time, you get a free gift membership for someone else who shares your love for our great nation. Don't miss out on this chance to make a difference from AMAC. Join today at amac.us slash justnews. That's amac.us slash justnews. And extend the invitation to a friend or family member for free. What a great opportunity. Folks, if you owe back taxes, fair warning, you're not going to like this. The IRS is mailing millions of pay up letters. Millions, I say. Then it's up to the 20,000 new IRS enforcement agents to find you. Why the IRS targets you and not millionaires? Well, because millionaires have tax lawyers. You don't, you'll pay up. Plus interest and penalties. You need Tax Network USA, and you need them now. Tax Network USA has brilliant war room strategies to solve your IRS problems quickly and in your favor. Like a preferred direct line to the IRS, they know which agents to deal with and who to avoid. It's not all bad news for you because Tax Network USA learned of a special limited time IRS offer. They're willing to waive $1 billion in penalties if you qualify. So schedule your free confidential consultation to see if you qualify for this limited time IRS penalty canceling offer. To do so, call 1-800-245-6000. That's 1-800-245-6000. Or visit tnusa.com slash justnews. That's tnusa.com slash justnews. All right, folks, welcome back for the commercial break. It is such a a dramatic time. There's so many big revelations. Devin Archer one day, Donald Trump indicted a third time another day. We don't want to take our eye off of some of the more important issues that have happened that still have very significant consequence to American people. And one of those is the protection of those IRS and FBI whistleblowers that have come forward to really document the cover-up part of the Hunter Biden case, the sweetheart deal, the off-limits to all the evidence instructions that were given to them. And so as we've been riding the roller coaster on all these other major developments, there has been a very secretive battle going on. It's not getting the attention it deserves. I want to give it that attention today. Hunter Biden's lawyers, I think a lot of people would say, are engaged in a cover-up. They're engaged in an intimidation campaign. They have very quietly gone to the court and tried to accuse the whistleblowers of leaking grand jury information. It's not true. We went through all the information. It's not true. And to actually have the toothpaste put back in the tube, basically tell Congress they have to take back all that information they made public from the whistleblowers. It is an extraordinary thing. I've been in this town a long time. I've never seen anything quite like it. It's a little bit whistleblower intimidation. It's a little bit stepping on Congress's constitutional authority. And it's a little bit of trying to deceive the American public. So I thought we'd bring in one of the great experts. Of course, he used to be one of the great Senate investigators. Today, he's the founder and leader of the Empower Oversight Whistleblower Center. That gave us those brave whistleblowers, our good friend, Jason Foster. Jason, welcome back to the show. Hey, thanks for having me, John. All right. I literally can't believe what I'm seeing, but apparently Hunter Biden's attorneys want to take all the toothpaste that came out from the IRS whistleblowers, put it back into the tube and say, none of that happened. And oh, by the way, punish the whistleblowers for dear going to Congress. Am I misreading this court case? Yeah, that's essentially what happened. So uh, last week, just before the Hunter Biden plea hearing, just before it uh, fell apart, the, the day before that hearing, uh, House Ways and Means Committee Chair Jason Smith filed um, um, a request to file an amicus brief and filed a copy of the of the amicus brief that he wanted to file with the court to let the judge know um, you know, officially and on the court docket, hey, here's all this information that we got from these whistleblowers that calls into question uh, whether or not the statement of facts that you're receiving is actually true uh, in this plea agreement, whether or not, uh, you know, all the, uh, whether or not the investigation was uh, allowed to be pursued as far as it should have been, you know, all the issues that the whistleblowers raised. And so what he did was he just filed this amicus brief and said, hey, judge, this might be relevant to your plea hearing. Tomorrow And here, by the way, is all of the information that the House Ways and Means Committee voted to release. It's been on our website for a while. Here are copies of all of their testimony. Well, there was a controversy uh, that night because someone from Hunter Biden's uh, one of Hunter Biden's lawyers 
called and claimed to the court clerk's office that there were social security numbers and bank account numbers in this information. It was violating the court rules that it needed to be taken down. And the court clerk took that information down. And then uh, the Hunter Biden's lawyers, you know, are claiming that, well, all this has grand jury information in it. All of it has, um, you know, tax return information and it should have been filed or should have been filed under seal. So there was all that controversy. Well, um, the following day after the plea hearing and after the, uh, the, the plea fell apart, they filed the Hunter Biden's lawyers went back and filed a motion to seal. Um, the, the judge sort of slapped them down and said, don't call my clerks and tell them things that are true. Um, and, you know, that's not how you get something taken off my docket. If you want something taken off my docket, you need to file an, an, a motion to seal. So they filed a motion to seal. And then earlier this week, um, Jason Smith, the chairman of the Ways and Means Committee, filed his response to the motion to seal. And in his response, he lays out all of the arguments as to why there's absolutely no grand jury information in here. Um, he walks through the, you know, the definitions of what grand jury information is and what it isn't. None of the information in the whistleblower testimony is grand jury. And he walks through how there is tax information in there, but that tax information has been cleansed. It's no longer improper to disclose it because it went through the, the committee process. has voted. Yes, they, they went through the statutory process. The Ways and Means Committee, just like they um, uh, previously had re voted to release Trump's tax returns, they voted to release all of this whistleblower testimony. So there's, the, you know, everything was done perfectly legally. But the so, but what they're essentially doing is Hunter Biden's lawyers are trying to get, they're hoping to get some kind of judicial determination. They, they've claimed in public in, in their PR campaign of smears and attacks against our client, they have claimed before that, you know, this is grand jury information. Here they're doing it to a court and they're trying to get the judge to agree with them so that they have some judicial finding, which they can then use to lobby the Justice Department to criminally Take prosecute. action to get these guys, right? Um, exactly. It's all about intimidation. Yeah, it is pretty remarkable. We had the pleasure of having Gary and Joe both on the show. They, I think, are just old-fashioned cops that are very matter-of-fact. But I'm sure all of this intimidation, all of this publicity, all of the ostracization that they talked about on the show uh, takes a toll on them. How are they doing personally? Because I'm sure it's a pretty difficult thing to go through this and see your name dragged through the mud by Hunter Biden's lawyers just for a political effect. Well, I can tell you, I mean, it, 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 it is, I mean, the intimidation is not just meant for them, right? It's meant for other whistleblowers. It's meant to silence other people from coming forward. But I mean, obviously it takes a toll on you to know that someone, you know, who you were trying to investigate, who you've blown the whistle on preferential treatment for that person, their father is the president of the United States. They, they appoint all of the political appointees in the justice department and his lawyers are now arguing that that justice department ought to prosecute you. I mean, obviously that's not a happy place to be. Um, but you know, but I mean, we're all confident that there was no, there was no wrongdoing. We, we, we dotted every I, we crossed every T, you know? So, I mean, ultimately, you know, you have faith that the facts will ultimately will out. The problem is with the politicized justice department, if, if it's been shown to be willing to go forward with politicized prosecutions just for the political effect, even if they know they're not going to win, you know, that's, that's what, uh, that's what is very worrying. And the only really remedy against that is, you know, sort of sunlight and public scrutiny. Yeah. One of your other clients, Steve Friend, I think said it properly. Sometimes the punishment is the process, right? You're not, you're going to come out fine, but they're going to drain you through the process. And that line that he said on our TV show maybe six months ago has never left me because I think it begins to show one of the tactics uh, that the Justice Department has begun to use. Um, so these guys are holding firm. They're good. They got good advice. They work very closely, hand in lock with the Congress to make sure every I was dotted, T was crossed. Obviously, this is very expensive and it's going to get more expensive. I understand that you have created a place. If there are people out there, Americans who want to thank Gary and Joe for their courage, for their willingness to tell the truth and to blow the whistle on what was essentially a effort to thwart a more complete investigation of the Biden family. You've set up a way for people to donate. Tell us a little bit about that and what the reaction's been. Yeah, absolutely. So uh, the reaction's been pretty positive so far. We set up a, a, a separate website um, called defendwhistleblowers.com, 
and people can go there and donate to our law enforcement whistleblowers defense fund. So it's a separate fund from our general fund. And it's specifically for, you know, because law enforcement whistleblowers, whether you're FBI or IRS, there, there are special challenges in representing those folks. Um, and, uh, you know, especially when you have people threatening to criminally prosecute them or you have the Justice Department using its, you know, um, security clearance authorities to retaliate against them in a way that doesn't get judicial review. It takes, you know, um, uh, it takes a lot more um, effort and resources and time to fight those cases because they're just more difficult cases than, than other kinds of whistleblowers. So we set up this special fund just for that purpose. Um, and, you know, we're, you know, we're taking donations there. And if people would like to go there and help, you know, it would be greatly appreciated. Yeah, that's a big thing. We'll get that out there with everyone so people know it's an important opportunity. Jason, as you look out now, there seems to be a lot of authentication in Devin Archer's testimony to the FBI informant report, the FD-1023, something that was kept from your clients, the IRS agents working the front case, even though it was very relevant. I think both Joe and Gary made that point that, boy, this is something we should have had. It would have really helped us because we were looking at why they, he wasn't paying taxes on Brisma. If it was part of a bribe, it would potentially be very relevant to us to know that. But when you see Devin Archer say, you got a two-for-one package, that the brand included getting both Hunter and Joe, and that's why Joe came on the phone affirm these things. Yes, Hunter Biden was being pressured to take care of the Ukrainian prosecutor show can just before Joe Biden, oh, just took care of the prosecutor by getting him fired. There seems to be a lot of things now lining up together. What Grassley released matches what the FD 1023 was alleging. And quite frankly, it lines up with the sort of questions that the IRS agents and FBI agents had that they were deprived of being able to investigate. How important is it that, that all three of these very disparate parts of the story line up and seem to point in one direction, that there was this influence peddling scam and then a cover up of it? Well, I think it just underscores what Joe Ziegler, the, the case agent and the other IRS, IRS whistleblower has said, um, you know, which is there, there needs to be a special counsel here. I mean, the notion that there's a special counsel, um, you know, investigating the former president on multiple fronts and yet there's no special counsel appointed by Merrick Garland in this case, um, you know, it just sort of defies credulity. I mean, why on earth? I mean, the, the, the conflicts of interest are so obvious and the, the public has clearly lost faith in uh, David Weiss's uh, leadership of the Delaware U.S. Attorney's Office. And, you know, the talking point that he was originally appointed by Trump is just falling. You know, they, they, they say it over and over and over, but it falls flat because, I mean, anybody who knows the process knows, of course, he was enthusiastically endorsed by two Democrats. Um, but but more importantly, more important than all that, just look at how his office has handled this case based on what we now know from the whistleblower's testimony. Um, so there's no way that the public can have confidence that what his office is doing, you know, um, after the whistleblower testimony, after the crazy plea deal, um, you know, it's just there's. I mean, I think Joe is right. There needs to be an appointment of a special counsel. Now, that doesn't fix all the problems. Um, it deals with the conflict of interest going forward. But there still needs to be vigorous congressional oversight of what has happened up to this point and how we got in this mess in the first place. Yeah, that that's important. These are complex cases. And of course, you worked in Congress for a long time and you gave us and during your tenure for Senator Grassley some of the most important oversight revelations in American history, the fast and furious investigation, the Christopher Steele dossier was paid by Hillary Clinton. It was a dirty trick by Hillary Clinton. So many other big ones. When you have a complex story like this, a foreign influence case, a foreign money laundering case, potentially a tax evasion case, sometimes it's hard for everyday Americans to say, why should I care about this? It seems to me now that there are two or three very simple storylines that Republicans can tell between now and the next election about Joe Biden. The first is Joe Biden lied his way into office, right? There are five lies he told us to win the presidency, and they're all now been proven. In fact, Biden family insiders like Devin Archer and Rob Walker are saying, hey, he lied. Even Hunter Biden said his father lied because Hunter Biden allocated uh, before his plea deal blew up. 
and said that they got $664,000 from China. So his father said, my family never got any money from China. So you got Joe Biden lied his way in office. You've got Joe Biden and Hunter Biden were a team shaking down foreign interest uh, for money. And then I think the third one, which could become the most consequential one, which is Joe Biden's action to fire a prosecutor is actually what Hunter Biden's client really wanted to happen. Joe Biden took an action that clearly benefited the client and was in line with the client on a timetable where the two things seemed to collide. Do you think Republicans are developing big storylines that become understandable for the American people? Back in 06, when Jack Abramoff was going on, that was a complicated story, but Democrats made it really simple. Republicans created a culture of corruption in Washington. It was very simple to understand, and the crooked lobbyists and things like that made some sense. What do you think your old colleagues in the House and Senate are beginning to develop a storyline that most Americans can develop, embrace, and act on in the 2024 election? Well, they certainly should be. They certainly can. They certainly have plenty of material to do that. I mean, you you have somebody who wants you to pay more in taxes who doesn't, whose Justice Department doesn't make his son pay his own tax bill completely, right? I mean, you have someone who wants to be tough on guns. Uh, and put people in jail if they lie to buy a gun, you know, except when his son does it. I mean, I think it's just a basic, you know, it, it's basic hypocrisy um, and it's it's basic, you know, failure. You know, it's 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 two standards of justice um, and it's, you know, one standard for one side and another standard for, you know, one one law for thee and another one for me. Um, and that's and that's really simple. And people get that at their core. It's just basically unfair. Um, and. So, you know, there, there certainly is no reason why they shouldn't be able to message that in a in an effective way. Crooked Joe and Hunter got a sweetheart deal that you would never get. That's clear. That, in fact, that's really what your client, Gary Shapley and the whistleblowers, really helped us to understand is that this really was a completely thwarted and constipated criminal investigation. They couldn't take the tactics that any other defendant would have faced. What is next? What are the most important things that need to happen that the Ways and Means Committee, there are documents that I believe your clients are going to be able to convey to the committee that will fill in their story. It won't be just their testimony, be contemporaneous things. Can you tell us a little bit about that? Well, we uh, will be getting a series of questions for the record following up on the oversight committee hearing. Uh, and, uh, you know, there were several points in the hearing where they were not able to answer questions because they called for new information that had not been released by the Ways and Means Committee, but that would be covered by tax secrecy laws. So um, they're going to be you know, there's going to be a process of written submissions, I think, to the uh, to the House Ways and Means Committee. And then, you know, they will decide whatever they're going to do with it, if they're going to share it with the other committees or not. That's up to them. Um, you know, but we'll do our best to, to provide not only the answers to the questions, but uh, where we have them, um, documentation and evidence to support those answers. Yeah, I think that's right. That's clearly a big part of it. Jason, for beyond being able to support the Whistleblower Defense Fund, which is so important, people who want to learn more about Empower Oversight and its mission and support that as well, how do they do that? And also, before we get to that, how many whistleblowers are you helping through various stages of the process? It's a lot more than the two or three we see in public, right? Oh, yeah. Most of the fo- in fact, most of the folks that we help, uh, you know, are not public. We're helping them get their um, disclosures together. We're helping them make their disclosures at the very beginning of the process. That's the best way we can help people if they come to us early before they've done something to get themselves crossways with their supervisors. You know, we can help them make a disclosure in the most protected way possible. Um, and so a lot of people we're working with, you know, they either want to remain anonymous uh, uh, as long as they can, or, you know, they have to be anonymous in the initial stages of the work. So yeah, there, I mean, there are dozens that we're working with in various stages and some who may never become public and some, um, you know, who, who may become public at some point, but can't be at this point. Yeah. That's so important. Well, Empower Oversight has become a household name now because of its important work representing whistleblowers. It's sort of interesting. Democrats just two or three years ago during the Ukraine impeachment, which may turn out to be a pretty false, bogus story that they presented there. They were all about protecting whistleblowers. And now Democrats call all these whistleblowers alleged whistleblowers. They don't even give them the credit saying they're true whistleblowers. How dangerous is that to, uh, you can disagree about the facts and and the reason for blowing the whistle, but to suggest that they're not real whistleblowers, how dangerous is that 
in an environment where we're supposed to protect all whistleblowers equally. Well, the problem is it's going to it's going to undermine the purpose of the whistleblower protection laws in the first place, which means it's going to it's going to deter other people from coming forward. The reason you have laws protecting whistleblowers is because you want the government you want you want wrongdoing and misconduct to be surfaced to the officials who can do something about it, to the appropriate authorities in the appropriate ways. Um, and, you know, when you when you don't have a commitment, you know, once upon a time, there was a broad bipartisan consensus on this issue. Um, and, you know, my boss was the leader of the Republican side of that consensus. But, you know, I'm afraid that um, that has been eroded uh, over time. And, you know, it's not look, if you if you don't agree, if you think somebody got if, if you think a whistleblower got the facts wrong, you know, that's fine. But that doesn't mean that they didn't make a protected disclosure. I mean, here we have people trying to prosecute, trying to get the Justice Department to prosecute our clients, not just dismiss what they're saying. They're, they're accusing them of being criminals, which is why we you know, which is why we need defendwhistleblowers.com set up and we need to be able to get a, a war chest together to, to help defend these folks, you know, not. And, and then there's also the day to day retaliation that they're facing in their jobs. You know, Gary's direct supervisor hasn't spoken to him in person since June 1st. I mean, that's just crazy. You know, you have that he's being isolated and cut out of the process. You know, I think he, he talked to you on your podcast earlier about a major initiative that had buy in from from multiple U.S. attorneys' offices. And it would have benefited the American taxpayer, right? I mean, that's the amazing thing. Gary's yeah, they were one of the best. Taxes. Yeah. Yes, they were going to collect millions in taxes, and, you know, it got paused and then essentially shut down. There are pieces of it that are still going forward. But, you know, when, when, you, when you're more interested in retaliating against people than, um, you know, than actually doing your job, uh, you know, they, they really just have their priorities all out of whack. So, I mean, we are working on a daily basis. We're continuing to forward information to the IRS inspector general and to the Office of Special Counsel, which is supposed to help fight this kind of retaliation. Um, so it's a day-to-day battle, um, and it, it requires constant, constant work and vigilance. Yeah, that it does. Well, one of the things we know is that uh, Empower Oversight cr- provides that vigilance that uh, and that uh, muscle behind them to make sure that these whistleblowers get treated fairly and that the American people benefit from the revelations. At the end of the day, we're a better country when we can fix things like what went on in the Hunter Biden investigation, all the political tampering that went on. Uh, and uh, Jason, I've seen you do this work for well over two decades. Uh, we're darn lucky in America to have someone like you on the front lines of uh, fighting for whistleblowers. And I'll, by the way, I'll say this. There are whistleblowers I know you worked with. It. You realize, hey, they weren't accurate. They weren't telling the truth. You didn't propagate those stories because you you knew it was important to to um, uh, be truthful. But uh, being able to listen to every whistleblower, give them a fair shake is such an important part. I think that would, that's what makes you so credible and why Empower Oversight is such an important player in Washington these days. So thanks for all you do for your country. You can't make, you're right, you can't make something out of nothing and we don't, we don't ever try to do that. And we may find out that was part of what went on in the Ukraine impeachment. There may be a whistleblower that might have told us something that isn't quite what we thought it was. We'll find that out in the next couple of weeks, I think. All right, Jason, uh, great honor to have you on. Everybody, if you want to go be a part of supporting Gary and Joe and the FBI whistleblowers you heard of, Steve Friend and others, there's that brand new site called DefendWhistleblowers.com, right? I have that right? DefendWhistleblowers.com? That's correct. You can donate and your dollars will make a difference in holding power, hold the people in power to account and also to give the American people truth they may have been denied. That's that's a great, valuable thing. And of course, always go check out EmpowerOversight.com. That's a pretty amazing site as well. All right, folks, we're going to go take a quick commercial break. We'll be right back with AMAC Wednesday. Yep, our good friend Bobby Charles up next right after these messages. Folks, Field of Greens is the healthiest thing I do every day, and I want you on this journey with me. Why? It's literally one scoop a day. It tastes great. I love the fruit flavors particularly, and it's completely improved my life and my health. This is nutrition the way nature intended. When I began taking a hard look at why I wasn't feeling good and why I felt unhealthy, why I was gaining weight, why I was losing energy, it wasn't just because I had hit my 50s. No, it was because I wasn't getting the right amount of fruit and vegetables in my diet. And listen, I'm just too busy to go to the store, clean up the vegetables, cook uh, uh, vegetable dinners, and make sure I hit the fruit. A field of greens stepped in. One scoop of powder in my drink or on my eggs in the morning, and boom, I was off and feeling better. And suddenly, I was losing weight. 
I was sleeping better. My metabolism went up. My blood sugar went down. My cholesterol went down and my weight went down. And my doctor said, hey, whatever you're doing, keep it doing. You know what that is? It's Field of Greens. That's what I've been doing. Field of Greens is radically different. Each organic fruit and vegetable was medically chosen to support heart and vital organ health. I trust Field of Greens to keep me healthy. I promise you, you're going to love this product. But if for any reason you don't, they'll give you 100% money back guarantee. Now, you're going to get 15% off your first order plus free rush shipping because of the incredible partnership we have here at Just the News with Brick house nutrition and of course field of greens all you got to do to take advantage of this offer visit fieldofgreens.com and use the promo code just news that's promo code just news at fieldofgreens.com don't wait go to fieldofgreens.com today use the promo code just news for 15 percent off folks financial experts thought we were in the clear they were anticipating around six rate cuts by the fed this year and then the inflation data came out Higher than expected again, just like we've been predicting. Friends, this isn't going away anytime soon. It can't. The U.S. is $34 plus trillion in the hole, and yet we keep printing money, which pushes the prices you pay every day even higher, whether it's at the grocery cart or at the gas store. So you can either bury your head in the sand or you can do something about it. Diversify a portion of your savings into gold with Birch Gold Group. Gold is your hedge against inflation, and Birch Gold makes it easy to own. They will help you convert an existing IRA or 401k into a tax-sheltered IRA in gold, and you don't pay a penny out of pocket. All you got to do to get started, text Just News to 989898 and get your free info kit on gold. Then talk to a precious metal specialist on how to protect your savings from persistent inflation. The way to do it, with gold. All you got to do to get started on that journey with my good friends who I trust more than anyone at Birch Gold Group, Text Just News to 989898 right now. All right, folks, welcome back from the commercial break. It's Wednesday, which means it's AMAC Wednesday. I love this part of the week. It's one of my favorite moments and one of my favorite guests coming up. One of the greatest congressional investigators I ever saw in action, later an assistant secretary at the State Department, and I think one of the most cogent voices in all of America. And now, of course, the national spokesman for our good friends at the Association of Mature American Citizens, our good friend Bobby Charles, joining us the day after. Well, to say it was a momentous day yesterday might be an understatement. Bobby, there's so much to react to yesterday. Let's start with Jack Smith, the indictment and the press conference. I don't think I've ever seen a prosecutor give a press conference quite like that. He felt more like a political pundit than a prosecutor. Yeah, yeah what a what a disappointing and grave uh, abuse of our justice system for political purposes. I think people should remember that Jack Smith, this prosecutor who was appointed by Merrick Garland, uh, who I like to think of as a bitter old man who thought he ought to be on the Supreme Court, well, when, when Garland appointed Jack Smith, he made it clear that he was doing that because Donald Trump was running for president. So that tells you all you need to know about the political nature of the investigation. And then you go to the investigator himself. You go to, to Jack Smith, who is a prosecutor, but he is the only prosecutor alive today who was literally reversed by a unanimous Supreme Court for an overbroad and inappropriate prosecution of a political actor, in that case, Bob McDonnell, who was the governor of Virginia. And I just reread the entire text of that case. And if you put that case side by side with what they're doing to Trump, you can see that the Supreme Court, which unanimously said that this prosecutor, Jack Smith, had effectively abused his power by by misinterpreting the idea of an official act, this, this prosecutor has done it all over again with Trump. And the sad part about it is it cost uh, McDonnell, I think, $23, 24000000 million sure. to defend that suit. If you want to dissuade someone from running for president, um, I don't know if it'll do it for Trump. It probably won't. But it, it, it looks like you're piling on and becoming we're becoming some sort of a third world you know, country where election interference can be led by a prosecutor in our Justice Department. It's completely inappropriate. It's complete. It's a disgrace. It, it undermines trust, John, by every American, or it should, in, our, in the objectivity of our Justice Department. There are some pretty extraordinary defenses to this. One is that this is political speech, and just because he was president, Donald Trump didn't yield his right to free speech. A second is that presidential immunity 
applies, particularly for two reasons. One, he already was impeached and acquitted. And two, because most official acts of a president, it's hard to argue that January 6th was an official act of the presidency, are generally considered under legal doctrine to be immune. The third is Jack Smith has to prove that Donald Trump absolutely knew what he was saying was false and therefore he committed fraud. These new documents I made public today, Bernie Carrick's files, which go right up to January 5th. They show on January 5th, the legal team and the investigative team working for Donald Trump was telling him there were 80 or 90 unresolved election integrity claims going into January 6th, which means they seem to have belief and we're still investigating them. Could you go through those three defenses quickly and tell us how they're going to potentially put a dent in the Jack Smith prosecution? So I certainly do believe that the free speech, the immunity, and the documents represent strong defenses. But I I think one of the strongest defenses, again, you have to put this against kind of as a backdrop. You have to look at what I said a minute ago, which is the, the, the transparently political nature of what's going on here. But if you look at what Donald Trump was doing when it came to encouraging protest uh, during a very, very tight time period, you know, when we, we used to inaugurate presidents in, in March of the year after uh, an end of year November election, now we inaugurate them on January 20. So there's a very short period of time during which you can officially find some way to bring a court around to understanding that there was some sort of mis, mal, or nonfeasance in the election process. And, and is it worth doing that? Yeah. Even though Gore and Bush were willing to back away from it, even though Richard Nixon backed away from it in 1960, the reality is that the integrity of the electoral system is the, is the sine qua non. It is the foundation upon which the House either stands or falls. And so if, if you, if you have a legitimate argument that there is a, an integrity question related to the election, and in this case, uh, I haven't seen those documents, and I, I compliment you for finding them, John. But uh, if even if you didn't have those, you had you had really what amounts to a colorable claim in a number of these states that hadn't yet been adjudicated. And so, you know, if you go back, and I'll use one more analogy, if you go back to the election of 1876, a guy named Sam Tilden that nobody in the world remembers and never will remember was the guy that actually probably won that election. And he won it by 185, 184 electoral votes to 100 and I want to say 165. And um, and what happened is there were electoral integrity questions in Florida, Louisiana, South Carolina, I think, and Oregon, right. including false electors and all that. The short of it is that they basically twisted the thing behind the curtain and put Rutherford B. Hayes, a Republican, in, in, in command by, by assigning all of those votes at the last minute in order to avoid violence at the inauguration. They assigned those votes to the Republican, making it 185 to 184, and on the condition that he would withdraw the troops from the South and end Reconstruction. Well, that was as close to Second Civil War as you get. But the reality is there was a challenge, a legitimate challenge that lay for what had gone on. And if we can't protect the process, John, then we have nothing. The process is how we get to the truth when it comes to our elected leaders. So we've got to be willing to pursue that. And Donald Trump was boldly saying, I have doubts because of the COVID, because of the shutdowns, because of all this state legislation. I have doubts. And and probably what should have happened is they should have put off the inauguration. But in any event. Yeah, these are pretty remarkable facts are going to have to be re-adjudicated. And uh, any doubt in your mind this is going to end up in the Supreme Court? Uh, I think it's probably, so the real question is, does it wind its way through the process, or are there some interlocutory uh, sort of mit- the, could they go directly as it, so the court, the Supreme Court can take something as a matter of first impression. Uh, it's conceivable that you would move this quickly to the Supreme Court on some motion and have it tossed. Uh, but, I, I, you know, the answer is no. I think it ends up the Supreme Court. And frankly, what we're seeing, John, if you look at the Bragg indictment, if you look at this one, you're seeing really a disgraceful misuse of our justice system. Yeah, you see it in the polling, too. Majority of Americans, including a majority of independents, believe these prosecutions are political rather than legal. That's a pretty extraordinary Finding, I can't remember another time in America where people thought that. And I think that's well, a sign of the peril that Democrats have put themselves in with this approach just before the 2024 election. While all this is going on, I wanted to ask you about the other big In fact, every time there's a major revelation in Hunter Biden's case, there seems to be an action against Trump within a day or two kind of design. feels like it takes it out of the headlines. Whether that's intentional or not, I don't know. But we can't take our eye off of all of the extraordinary revelations that have occurred on the Hunter Biden, Joe Biden scandal. And it is a Joe Biden scandal now. 
your top line on Devin Archer saying there was a brand and Joe Biden was part of it and they sold the brand. Joe Biden 20 plus times got on the phone with Hunter's business clients, once had dinner with them in Cafe Milano. We've come a long way. Joe Biden essentially lied his way into office based on the evidence we now know about. You're absolutely right. So, you know, in, in the big picture, I see these two freight trains coming at each other at full speed. And they're both constitutional crises. One is uh, going after a former and current, a former president, a current candidate who's leading on the other side. And the second is this extraordinary unfolding. Um, I, 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 it may end up being an overstatement, but I don't think so. Perhaps the largest scandal in presidential history, uh, because you're talking about now tens of millions of dollars that flowed in in ways that appear to have violated, uh, you know, plain uh, black and white text of, of of federal law. And you've got the, the answer that, that they've come up with is a complete denial. And, of course, now they're even backing away from their former denial, saying, yeah. well, he wasn't in business with him, but uh, maybe he talked about it. Yeah, well, that wasn't what you've been saying up until the moment where evidence hit the record indicating that he was directly involved in at least 20 of these engagements. I mean, at a certain point, John, what happens is the American people stop believing. And uh, and I think they're they've stopped believing in Joe Biden. I mean, I say the American people, there are still people on the left who who basically say, well, he's my horse, even if he's a criminal horse. But the reality is most Americans do not want a criminal uh, or a criminal enterprise running the country. Uh, this reminds me of the kinds of things I did all over the world. I ran programs two billion dollars worth of programs in 70 countries around the world. And what did we do? We went around the world trying aggressively to stop politics from getting into the fair administration of justice. And so then we come back home here and what do we see? We see really uh, one of the almost a textbook uh, abuse of power in ways that are that are transparently uh, felonious. And so, you know, I, I do think impeachment will happen, but I, I think it's far more significant than that in some ways, even though impeachment used to be considered a significant thing. Um, I think we're talking about indictable offenses. And I, I think what we're talking about is a man who uh, knowingly uh, was involved in a criminal enterprise of enormous uh, reach. And, 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 and perhaps one step beyond that, Espionage Act, uh, was, in, was in the business of selling access and official acts uh, to countries, uh, to foreign countries. When you look at Joe Biden's statements when he tried to get into office, he said, my family never got money from China. We now know there's 1.3 million. And Hunter Biden himself called his father a liar in court last week when he was allocuting, saying, I got 664,000 from China just in 2017. Joe Biden said the laptop was Russian disinformation at the time. He said it was irrefutably false. The FBI had already long authenticated the laptop. Joe Biden said he never met with Hunter Biden's business partners, both Rob Walker and Devin Archer, two Biden family insiders and business partners. So that's not true. We witnessed it. It happened. And then Joe Biden said, my son did nothing wrong. And as we know, his son was ready to plead to a significant and intentional tax evasion scheme. Those are very powerful things. When a president looks into the camera or the candidate who becomes president looks at the camera and lies to the American people, will those lies stick to Joe Biden in the 2024 election? Because I think they also echo some of the things he said about Afghanistan that we know not true, other things he's told us that aren't true. Does Joe Biden, is lying Biden a potential line of attack that will stick with Joe Biden in 2024? Well, I, the reason I think it will, if he remains their candidate or becomes their candidate, is because the American people actually, John, are very savvy. And I don't care whether they got a high school education or what their level of education is. They're very savvy. And why? Because they can tell the difference between a white lie or an exaggeration yeah. or a bunch of political rhetoric sure, or name calling. Yeah. And on the other hand, a material fact that goes to the heart of the integrity of the man in office and those around him. And, and the only thing I will add, and there are a number of other facts, I think, uh, I mean, the, the lies actually could fill the small volume that uh, the material lies this man has uh, has boldly told. Uh, he's notorious for that. I wrote a piece on AMAC.us yesterday yeah. called The Perfect Storm, and I have another one up today, uh, Biden the Man. And you, you can see through those pieces, if you go to them, the, with clarity, the the the... the the level of intentional, well, it's just a complete lack of integrity. And so the problem you have is that people like this create a vortex. It's like a collapsing star creating a black hole. And then you have a cover-up, and people fall into the black hole trying to cover up 
this man's actions and they, they, they do not want to admit it. And then they get deeper and deeper and deeper. And it, it pulls people in like a rock yeah. falling through a blanket. I mean, and so what, what's happening with Joe Biden is you've got an attorney general, a head of the FBI, a head of the IRS, mid-level people in both, all three of those institutions. And you've got political actors who are lying with him or being complicit by silence, knowing these facts. And at the end of the day, John, um, the cover-up is what really kills people, as you know. I mean, John Mitchell, the attorney general for Richard Nixon, uh, went to prison for 19 months for covering up Richard Nixon. And right. Merrick Garland might face a similar fate if he doesn't get with the program. When you look at the potential impeachments, you've got Mayorkas for not enforcing border law. you got Garland for telling something that Chuck Grassley that does not appear to be remotely true, plus many other things. And then you got Joe Biden We've never had three simultaneous impeachment proceedings going on. Is it important that the, that Republicans focus on one? Can they do all three? Can they avoid impeachment in, entirely but use the investigative process to use the 2024 election to be the ultimate impeachment? How do you think that plays out? Well, listen, if you've got nine players on the field, you don't use just one. You use all of them. And I, I would argue that what you're looking at right now, John, is a situation where impeachments can be pursued. You know, get, get, your, get your case in order. Get it properly locked down. Make sure that you have all the evidence that you need in order to bring a swift and fair. Uh, maybe yeah. we can model the idea of fairness and due process being used in an impeachment. That's, that right. would be a novel idea. But let's 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 do a proper impeachment, frankly, of all three. And then I think you've got other questions. I mean, I look at, at Tony Blinken and I ask how many of the things that he said, did he knowingly? I mean, he, he's been with Biden for 20 some sure. years. How many of those? And what about Harris? And what about what about what about looking at some of the actors who are who are second tier actors uh, who are actually subject to that kind of discipline? And then look at the ones that are no longer in government and ask what legal, you know, the, the problem we've got, John, is that Americans are sick and tired of no accountability. They didn't see any accountability with Hillary Clinton. They didn't see any accountability with Comey. They didn't see any accountability with Obama. They didn't see any early accountability with Biden. And they're getting um, I hate to say it, but we're a bunch of idealists who are becoming cynics. And we're looking at this and saying, where is the accountability? So impeachment is one level, and by all means, put the pedal to the metal. Uh, but and of course, it'll affect 24 and all the all the uh, proper arguments about integrity and accountability in 24. But 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 go one step further and start asking, where are the prosecutors who are worth their salt? Where are the prosecutors who have enough personal integrity to say, Mr. Attorney General, I'm either going to resign or have the opportunity to bring this case because these are people who have violated black letter law. And in law school, I was taught that no one's above the law. And when people in government violate the law, they're also subject to prosecution. It is an amazing moment to ask, where are the whistleblowers? We got three of them, right? We got two IRS agents and an FBI whistleblower. But the cost that they're paying is enormous. There is a lawsuit going on right now where Hunter Biden's lawyers are really engaged in trying to create a cover-up. They're trying to silence the whistleblowers and take the evidence Congress already put into public and put it back in toothpaste, take it away from the American public. So the cost that these whistleblowers are going to personally, financially, is real. Do you think the constant attack on people on the right going after their finances by tying them up in court, going after their law licenses if they're lawyers who chose to represent it. Four, maybe five of the co-conspirators identified in yesterday's indictments were lawyers. They're clearly going after the ability of a lawyer to provide counsel to a client. The attack on money, the attack on reputation, the attack on free speech, and the attack on your pocketbook seem to be very powerful. Do you think that's discouraging some people from coming forward because the cost may just be too great? I'm sure it is. You know, at the end of the day, John, government is the most powerful coercive force, uh, I suppose, other than, you know, nature. But government is the most powerful coercive force you can you can throw at somebody. And, you know, if if these kinds of behaviors intentional intimidation, uh, intentional, uh, really intentionally damaging people emotionally, financially, uh, reputationally. If that had happened at the beginning of of our republic, we'd be the Soviet Union by now. And, and the problem is you can slide very fast down into the pit of oppression. But we have to, every American has to understand that if you do not stand up for rights, the First Amendment, the Second Amendment, the Fourth Amendment, the Fifth Amendment, the Sixth Amendment, the Ninth and the Tenth, if you do not stand up for these rights, they will go away. 
you know, as uh, as one of my old bosses said to me, when you pull your fist out of the bucket, it fills in real fast around yeah. you. Meaning, that's right. Meaning, if you do not step up and properly defend these people who are being uh, horrifically treated, and, and you're right about you, you, it's the lowest of the low tactic to sue the lawyer for being a zealous attorney, which is what the canons of ethics say that a, an attorney should be. I mean, John Adams represented the British soldiers in the Boston Massacre, what if they had decided to sue him out of business? And, uh, well, he certainly, you know, who, what would happen to the Republic? I mean, so, you know, the, the reality here is you have a bunch of people in power because they have essentially single party, one party government who are abusing their power in ways that are criminal. And, and I, I look at it and I say, gosh, surely we're not going to let this happen. I mean, surely the American people are going to, and, and perhaps others in the legal profession, are going to step up, stand up, and speak up and say, this is wrong. How can you have lawyers going to prison for being good lawyers on behalf of people whose rights have been unfairly uh, violated? I mean, to me, that just is, is the height of, it's the opposite of what America stands for. These are the big issues that are on, on the ballot in 2024. Speaking of 2024, folks, if you're looking to make one of the best investments you can in the future of this country. I have an idea for you. Invest in a membership at AMAC, the Association for Mature American Citizens. You go to amac.us slash Just News. Why? Because you're going to get a discount. You're going to be supporting Just News because AMAC supports us and John Solomon reports and Just the News, No Noise. Bobby and his team are working with us all the time. You're going to get a lot of things. Discounts. I've saved enough money to more than pay for my five-year membership already. You're going to get daily intelligence, a monthly magazine, access to incredible experts like Bobby and Rebecca Weber, and then also an opportunity to join like-minded Americans to engage in civic activities, things like becoming a election observer or contacting your legislature or your Congress to advocate for types of legislation that make America better. It is one of the greatest communities you're ever going to join. It is a community. It isn't just an organization you join a community of people. If you go to amac.us, amac.us slash just news today, you're going to get a discount. I want to challenge you all. Go match my five-year membership. It's the best investment I've made over the last couple of years. I love what I get every day. It makes me a better journalist. I, I read things on there that Bobby and others write and I go, I'm going to, I got to pursue that. That's an important journalism angle. So you're going to, going to really get great benefit from it. Bobby, you've been there a long time. You are really the, you know, the national spokesman for the group. When someone joins, what does that feel like when you suddenly join 2.3 other million people who think and have the same values as you? You know, John, I think in an, in an era in which we, we get lots of bad news and feel like we pour our efforts down the drain so often, AMAC is the exact opposite. They have reversed a number of pieces of legislation in the last six months at the, at the state level. They have tens of thousands of members who physically get together, who virtually get together in every single state. They are, they are the example of what it, what it really means to be civically involved. And so, you know, I think of them as the inheritor of the Ronald Reagan mantle. I mean, Ronald Reagan, it was always said, was elected on six words, uh, strong defense, smaller government, uh, lower taxes. And if you throw in a good moral compass uh, and a self-deprecating good sense of humor, that that's really the spirit of AMAC. They, they go out there every day optimistic, knowing realistic, knowing what the world is made of, but they go out there to defend the solvency of the country. I mean, uh, I'll just say we just hit a, got a body blow with the uh, markdown of the credibility of uh, the, uh, our credit rating. Our, uh, yeah, Fitch. Yeah. Credit rating. And, you know, the worst thing in the world you can see is the credibility of the United States and our credit rating falling through the floor. Uh, you know, that, that's all the product of this administration. And, yeah. and I'm going to come back to this principle of why you join AMAC. You join AMAC because if you believe in people like Edmund Burke and Ronald Reagan and Bill Buckley and Russell Kirk, if you believe that it is in your time an obligation for you to step up as, as in a sense, a warrior in combat, to step up for the defense of freedom, then this is the way you do that. And as Edmund Burke said, all it takes for evil to prevail is for good people to do nothing. And we cannot be those people who do nothing. And that's what AMAC lives for. We live for the defense of the Bill of Rights, uh, solvency of the country, the value structure that we that we know this country was built on, John. And God knows there 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 are no better ways, in my view, to help defend this country than to join AMAC, which is a straightforward non. And you get all the economic benefits, which which make it really worthwhile. Also, oh, but it allows you to go to sleep at night feeling good. 
Yeah, listen, you go on a trip, hotel, uh, rental car, there's so many. One trip, you end up paying for your five-year membership. It's really remarkable, the savings. And you said something that reminded me. I was in Philadelphia back in early May when I launched my children's book. And a young mom came up to me and she said, my mom was a big Reagan Democrat. And she said, Ronald Reagan used to say that there's a silent majority in America. And silence, she said to me, is no longer an option for my generation. Silence is kapussy. You got to get in the game. So if you feel that way, folks, joining AMAC is a big way to advance forward, to no longer be silent, to no longer be inactive, but to do something that's going to make your country better. And it's really easy to do. Go to amac.us slash news. You're going to really, really appreciate the fact you did. You're going to go a couple of days and say, boy, that was a good idea. I really like that. Another good idea, having Bobby Charles on this show. We are so lucky every time he comes on. I have so much fun. And I can see all the collective heads, the thousands of heads that just nodding up and down as Bobby said something. Because you have a way of getting a thought in the back of our brain to the frontal lobe. And it is such a great talent and such a great honor to have you on this show, Bobby. Thanks for joining us today. John, it is truly an honor to be on your show. So thank you. All right. Well, we're going to get you back on real soon because I have a funny feeling next week's going to be just as momentous as this week. So we'll have to buck our seatbelt and get you back on. All right, folks, we're going to take a quick commercial break. We'll be right back to wrap things up right after these messages. BP added more than $70 billion to the U.S. economy in 2022. Investments like acquiring America's largest biogas producer, Arkea Energy, and starting up new infrastructure in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. Have you heard you can listen to your favorite news podcasts ad-free? Good news. With Amazon Music, you have access to the largest catalog of ad-free top podcasts included with your Prime membership. To start listening, download the Amazon Music app for free or go to amazon.com slash ad-free news podcasts. That's amazon.com slash ad-free news podcasts to catch up on the latest episodes without the ads. All right, folks, that wraps up another edition of John Solomon Reports, the podcast from Just the News. So grateful you can join today. Hey, because it was AMAC Wednesday, one more reminder, go to amac.us slash Just News, amac.us slash Just News to get your discount and an opportunity to join the extraordinary group that is the Association for Mature American Citizens. You're going to get discounts, political intelligence news, a great magazine, and a chance to join AMAC Action on civic projects like talking to your members of Congress, talking to your state legislators, maybe becoming an election server. Those are all really super empowering stuff. I think that's so, so important. Now, one other thing you remember, Jason Foster, he set up this new fund for whistleblowers. If you go to defendwhistleblowers.com, DefendWhistleblowers.com. You can go make a donation. Go do that today. It's a really important and empowering thing to do. So go check it out today, and we'll keep you posted on how much money they are potentially raising today. I think that's a very important endeavor. If you care about whistleblowers, about the truth, it is an important opportunity to go out and um, do this. Folks, that wraps up today's edition. Thanks for listening. I'm sure there's more history to be made in the next 24 hours. We'll cover it live at justthenews.com on the Justice News Apple and Android apps. And of course, you can always check in tomorrow with the latest edition of John Solomon Reports, the podcast from Just the News. God bless you. God bless this incredible country. Have a great night. Folks, financial experts thought we were in the clear. They were anticipating around six rate cuts by the Fed this year, and then the inflation data came out higher than expected again, just like we've been predicting. Friends, this isn't going away anytime soon. It can't. The U.S. is $34 plus trillion in the hole, and yet we keep printing money, which pushes the prices you pay every day even higher, whether it's at the grocery cart or at the gas store. So, You can either bury your head in the sand or you can do something about it. Diversify a portion of your savings into gold with Birch Gold Group. Gold is your hedge against inflation and Birch Gold makes it easy to own. They will help you convert an existing IRA or 401k into a tax-sheltered IRA in gold and you don't pay a penny out of pocket. All you got to do to get started, text Just News to 989898 and get your free info kit on gold. Then talk to a precious metal specialist on how to protect your savings from persistent inflation. The way to do it with 
with gold. All you got to do to get started on that journey with my good friends, who I trust more than anyone at Birch Gold Group, text Just News to 989898 right now. 